Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? What's going on? Good evening, Kane. How's it been going? How you doing, Luke? I'm doing great. Yet another Tuesday. How soon is now? Now is now. Now is now. Interesting word that has come to mind over the week as I pondered on how we're going to start the show. And for the listeners, we really, that's pretty much our game plan because if you take away, you can't take away the spirit of the podcast. So as far as like a plan, yeah, we do have, you know, we start as a word. But the whole idea and concept of the podcast is, you know, speaking in the present moment. So we kind of just take it as it comes and then start off that word and kind of see where it leads us. So far, it's been working out. The word that I was going to start off with tonight was culture. And for me, it has... Pretty, almost the same depth as love as far as how far you could take what culture means to me now as opposed to what I thought it meant pre-awakening. And one thing that attaches to culture more than anything is is pride. And you can take me for an example I live in a southern state. I was born in a more southern state. I was born in Florida. So by default, wherever you're born, you're subject to the culture of that society, basically. So you have a group of people all the way down to parents, to the supportive cast around the parents, teachers, influencers, again, most well-intended. This is not any kind of outing as far as the intentions of, of people by no means. Um, and this is not more of the physical things of culture. Certain cultures have their certain physical things. You know, African-Americans have certain features that they cater to other than you know, certain groups, there's, there's different things you do based on features of the body and things like that. So that's definitely not where I'm going. Basically on teachings and having the pride of what you're taught in that culture, as far as belief systems, religions, all based on where you're born. So take, for example, where I live now, kind of live in the center of the Bible belt. And if you were to break it down statistically, you know, it's probably, you know, what, 80% chance that I'm, I'm born into and going to become a quote unquote born again Christian and live out the church lifestyle based on what the culture told me is true. So if you take India, for example, if you're born in India, same person you're 
again, I don't know the accurate statistics, but more than half, you're probably going to lean towards Hinduism and practice that religion. And there's a certain amount of pride that connects you to that. So the word for me now, and as far as like breaking through an awakening, all of those belief systems, they're all rooted in pride, but they're all rooted in every single one of them thinks that they're right. So it's in, it's in the righteous nature of, of rightness. And, you know, I've had people say, well, Luke, why do why do you think you're right? What makes you right? And the simple answer to that is that if you really pull yourself back and look at a universal truth and you look at the universe and you look at, you know, the world from a scale of, from space and look at it objectively, does it really make sense that different groups would be right over the other? And would there be pride attached to that? So the only thing that I am doing is saying I'm not right and I'm backing up and being a part of something that resonates inside as a universal truth. Cause there's no religion or belief system that's ever like resonated inside of my heart. And there may be a lot of good people and well-intended people in those places. And, and I'm not arguing that point either, but I think there's, if you really look at it in a, in a somewhat broad way. And you can even, I mean, the evidence is all around you as far as pride. I mean, most, all the wars in history have been fought in because one side said, I'm right. And the other side said, no, I'm right. And they both think they're right. And they end up fighting over it. So there is no cooperation on a global scale. And that division is all caused by their cultures thinking that they're right. And the main hold on that is pride. Pride of your country, pride of your religion, pride of, you know, the group of people in your church that say, you know, this denomination, you know, my church is, we don't do that. We preach the word here. There are no, in this religion, you've never been a part of this. We do this here. This is the real thing here. And as soon as I hear that, it's immediate red flags. Because I'll never claim like trying to be right. I'm trying to find a flow that if it resonates in you and you feel something mechanical, then align. But don't ever be influenced by this show or by the program. It's not meant to influence. It's meant to test, testify, be a testament. And if it resonates, take it in for the mechanical nature of what it's trying to do inside. And then if you get something from it, you can go on your own path. There's no influence. And that's the difference between a belief system and culture and religion is that there is no persuasion. You know, I've talked to, I think we did that podcast 
with with Brian, you know, in the very beginning. And one of the things that we talked about is, you know, when I talk to friends about this subject or anything, I never try to persuade them as though, hey, this is this is the way as far as influence or persuasion. And, and if they ever take it that way, that's we can't do it because that's not what this is built on. This is built on, do you hear something that makes you trust Kane or makes you trust Luke? That sounds like it comes some, from something deeper than us. If you do, then listen to it and get what you can out of it. But I don't hear that resonation in culture. I hear like teaching and this is how we think we're right in this part of the world. This is how we think we're right in this part of the world. And it's all based on everybody's own rightness. And it's just, it's still based on, you know, the very theme of what we always talked about, become nothing to become something. Because you can't have your belief system in your culture and hold on to that with pride and become nothing. It's just the two can't coexist. Do you remember when you were um, younger and you're being introduced to the like religious cultural system, you remember like asking like, what if I was born on a deserted Island and I had nothing to go on? I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to say like within the culture, we're going to, let's assume there's a God, let's assume there's higher truth. Doesn't it seem like that would be like one of the most accurate places to like judge somebody's um, ability to connect with that higher power, like without any influence of culture at all? You remember asking that question when you were younger? Along those lines, yes. Um, that's a perfect example, but I... I... Well, always related to Christianity as far as, um, and I think if you ask that question, I've asked the question of, okay, what, so take a boy and Christians are big on, you know, go out into the world and get people saved. Like it's our job to find the people that haven't heard about Jesus. That's what Christians would say. And my argument was always, well, there's someone that's not going to hear your story. There's someone that's not going to hear your story. And then even if you say, okay, in the information age, everybody knows about this story. Okay, that's fine. So, but this was, this story started 2000 years ago. What about the year 1000 or 1100 or 1200? There was someone somewhere who didn't hear about the story of Jesus. And based on the religion, if you don't reach them, they're, they're damned to hell. My argument is people know Jesus and don't even know his name if they're untouched, like the kid on the Island that you just gave, like he's going to find naturally, he's going to flower just like a flower. He's not going to have any issues, but he's not going to have any names attached to it either. He's going to know things about the universe, but he's not even going to have labels or names. He's going to talk truth. And, and, but he's not even going to attach anything to it. We attach it because we have past, we have culture, we have people that instill things and we can, we can go back and research Jesus and say, okay, 
well, that does resonate. So, yes, I do. I do love this guy because I know where he comes from. Same thing as loving other people that come from from the right place. But you could attain that without ever even knowing that name. The culture makes it seem like I'm right. It's pride that attaches to that. And then it's this huge supreme ego. It's almost like the ego is, you know, if you can't be in this, in in a religion or belief system, it can go crazy too. Like the ego can get so out of control. Like I'm, I saved 19 people today in that pride and everything. It's just, it's like, I did it. Or even like you, you've talked about the power team before, you know, after those, shows, they yeah. get like puffed up, like, Oh, a thousand people came to the altar today. And they said the prayer, they, we, we saved a thousand people tonight. Really? I mean, that is definitely one of the most beautiful things about mechanical spirituality is it, it gives you the ability to kind of look cross culturally and most of the cultures have like a lots of beautiful spirituality in them. I mean, that's kind of the, um, that's kind of the fun part now is they're all there. There's, there's all this beautiful spiritual meaning and all this beautiful spiritual development, but, um, they're all so old and they're all so tainted and they're, they're all, like you say, um, worn down with pride and with, you know, different strains in the culture. And it, it definitely gets to a part, gets to pieces where it's, it's not helpful in terms of leading a group of people to the truth, but with the, process of mechanical spirituality you can kind of look at all of them and that was that was one of the most beautiful things when i saw it was because i always kind of felt that was true that we didn't have the right to be so judgmental cross-culturally about what each group was doing spiritually that always seemed so odd to me that we were so comfortable with that judgment that we were sending just, you know, that culture is wrong, that culture is wrong, that culture is wrong, but we're right. That always, always like uh, had warning bells going off in my head with that. But now you you can see, though, that there's so much beautiful spiritual development in each culture, and they're all doing it in their own way. And the, there is truth and beauty there. But unfortunately, that's pretty much buried underneath a um, systemic system of pride that's not really allowing that specific spiritual path to blossom the way it could. It's unfortunate. But I, I feel like I have two things. Like I feel like I look at it and I'm impressed and I also look at it and I'm you know, disheartened. Yeah, it's, it's, it's close. And I saw a clip of Benny Hinn, uh, somewhere. Can't remember what it was. And a lot of stuff started bubbling up. 
because I think the particular thing that I saw and and this happens a lot in a belief system pride is very strong and it wants to protect its own rightness the ego wants to protect its own rightness and they are aware enough to know that present spirituality i think they can sense the rise of because i've even heard you know even down to preachers in church are like they're seeing people move away from organized religion and organized belief systems and the ego is like is fighting back and i saw that i saw that in um my clip that he was talking about you know a new age that the devil wants to make everyone as gods and that's the that's the major play on words with pride is connected to fear so all the stories that they use in a literal way in the bible is 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 fear provoking so that you can I mean, it's classic manipulation and control. I mean, you have to, pride and ego work to control power. And when I see that, I just have to chuckle because I know that, especially large-scale religious leaders, I know they can sense an awakening. And I know they can sense more and more people awakening. And it's like they're trying to fight back and say this to the people that are left is that this is of the devil and this is blasphemy and this is this. There's no way you could be, um, you know, there's no way you could be as, you know, the eyes of God. There's no way God could be omnificent. There's no way, but in the same breath, it's, God is within you, and when you ask Jesus to come in your heart, he resides within you. So they talk about a mechanical situation, but the threat of that is that actually happening mechanically and truthfully and people having truth to discern you know, where the bullshit and where the bullshit isn't is very threatening to them. And I've seen them cower in that and try to hold on to power. And their pride and ego just shines through. It shines through. Yeah, I can see that. I know up here, there's definitely way less religious culture. And that seems to like turn out to be a mess too. It's almost like if you don't call it religious culture, it will still manifest in another way. Like that pride and that rightness. I mean, it, if it wants to manifest in some secular way, it'll do that too. And then people will be like, just as stubborn within their own rightness, but now they're doing it on, they're latching on to other things like, you know, political ideology and all, all kinds of, uh, messes along those lines but then have the same passion that you would see down there in terms of uh you know bible belt religious stuff so it seems like it manifests 
no matter what it seems like like there's no getting away from it like there's some kind of like collective ego culture that's you know overflowing with pride that manifests in in each of the regional societies that it seems to me one of the things that keeps coming to mind it's um when i was writing about the ancient god syndrome and one of the things that i see in culture so much and so prevalent is the idea that somehow people were more inspired by god you know especially around the day that Jesus was here, so if you want to say 2,000 years ago, but, you know, the stories of the Bible or of how how impactful and how active that it was then. So a lot of the control comes in is, like, you can't attain that now. There is an image of a God that's worshiped an image. And when you go into a church, you have images around you. You're, you're worshiping the images. You have a screen displayed images. You have things you're supposed to reach out to raise your hands, worship and praise like all away, all I'm praising, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. In this day, we're not worthy. So the difference between like awakened spirituality for me now is the omnificence of what God is, is totally inspired internally in all things. And the idea that people in power can take that away from people with the pride of life and with fear is um, one of the biggest injustices going on in this world. Because you, and when you get to the really powerful, then you start to turn to not well intended anymore. This is more like on the levels of malicious and know that they can control the weak-minded people and then money gets involved and the corruption is insane when you talk about the Benny Hens of the world because it's it's complete control and manipulation at that point when you get to that level and you have to defend you have to defend that rightness and in that religion um so the money can keep coming in for one but one of the biggest injustices of the people and the leaders of all these police systems and organizations at any level is that they rob people of their own ability to have an experience, a mechanical experience with everything that's around them. And to not know that like praise and gratitude has nothing to do with standing with 200 people and raising your hands up so that you can be seen and feel good about it. 
because it's completely different as you know like the praise in the verses in the scripture has nothing to do with like anything but something that happens naturally i think you said it on the last podcast that you don't even try to like do some of the stuff you do like if you walk out you don't intend necessarily to go walk out and just study a tree you walk outside and you see a tree and you just sit there for a couple of minutes and you look at it and gratitude is natural like it's natural when you're awake if it's in you it's not something that you have to constantly like blabber out of your mouth praise the lord praise the lord praise no that's like an infection in the mind you said it perfectly last it's it's effortless as well there is no like yeah i'm it's just the experience the mechanical experience just lends to a natural understanding of stuff like gratitude i mean it aligns concepts like gratitude in ways that you can't do on an intellectual conceptual basis based on belief like it's it's not possible it's trying to it's it's trying to like understand darkness without having ever seen darkness it's trying to like understand something that you've never experienced before and then once you actually experience it like oh this is darkness like i can't see my hand in front of my face and i will run into something because i can't navigate in this space and then it teaches you about that experience but i know in the culture what they do is they just um, collectively back and forth um, spend lots of time discussing it and then reinforcing that pride on a one-to-one level and then in a group setting and it's that conversational reinforcement of a concept and then they move out into the culture as if they understand it. But I don't think that they even realize that there's like an actual experience of gratitude that's like offered to you like from the universe. I don't know that they that they that they're even aware of that. No, not yeah, they're not. Um that's part of the um, blind leading the blind. And like I said, I mean, one of the depends on how aware, you know, the leader is as far as what they're doing and anything that I've really been a part of. I mean, all parties involved are pretty well intended. I mean, we've seen some documentaries where people are fully aware of what they're doing, but anything that I've ever been a part of, I mean, they're, they're well-intended people. Um, But I think for the, the, the listeners, if, if you are not getting fulfilled in, in, in something like that, it, is it okay to question that and it gets into why is that so strong you know like a hypnotic force and 
conditioned thinking is what comes to mind. It's, it's, it's a condition of the mind. And, you know, a lot of your discoveries of, of entities, it's, it's super strong once your mind is conditioned to the level of that type of behavior, because they don't call it like a belief system for nothing. Like it's, it's an entity system, but it's, it's a reinforced entity system. You were talking about Legion. We're talking about systems that are designed to stay systems designed not to fall apart, designed not to be called out, designed to stay exactly where they're at in holy matrimony. They're, they're, right. they're, it takes, you know, if there's a hundred people and then one person starts to ask questions and, you know, they get cast out because they start to awake just a little bit and say, well, yeah, this is great, but... Um, you know, Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, things in my life don't seem to be working out or I seem to have anxiety or I seem to be depressed. But why would that be the case if I'm doing everything that culture tells me to do is right? And I have the support of many people. Why would that be the case? And you start asking those questions. If you leave, then all of a sudden you're cut off by those people. They don't talk to you as much anymore because you're not a part of the belief system. You're breaking that condition thinking, but it's, a very noble thing to do because you're actually going closer to what could possibly save you. Yeah. It's a great Osho line. I mean, a belief system and, um, he just says, I don't know if I'm quoting it exactly, but we treat the belief as it's as if it's a bridge to understanding when in reality it's actually a barrier and it's it's the belief is the barrier like that's the part where you you end up um not aware of <clears throat> and that that's the thing that makes you so sure about what you are and your position in the universe and your identity and in your relationship to the culture, but all that mess is just this structure that you've put in the way and it's stopping you from having the mechanical experience that's available to everybody. That's available to the person that grows up on the deserted island that was never introduced to any of these belief systems. But yeah, like you said, it's a system, but I mean, anything, I think when you, when you have to insert that word of belief, it's so common for us to, in within the culture, everybody to accept that as the bridge and it's just not the case. That's the barrier. Right. And that kid on the Island, just note like that kid never needs an awakening. Right. Like there is no moment for him. It's just going to be natural, which there are some people that, uh, I mean, super rare, but that are just kind of left alone to, to like grow up and they never need an awakening. They always have that 
it factor inside. Like they never got corrupted by this or that and they never need. He's going to start, start talking to trees when he's young and he's not going to know he's not supposed to. <laughs> yes. As long as they're, I mean, that they're left alone. Yeah. They're not, uh, uh, we need an awakening for a reason we're we're both born into culture i mean it, it's it's because of where we're born that you that awakening is a word i mean right. something mechanical happens and that contrast happens you're like wow i just got back to when nothing ever messed with me and it it's a mechanical experience but not everyone has to have that experience if they never got involved with with entities and um you too just what you've discovered on entities in the belief system like when you have and you've talked about catching you know certain entities now and being aware of how they attach themselves and how they take ownership in a system like that you have collective reinforcement they like you go and you like shake hands with these people and you reinforce like the entity within in that system so you're playing the game of that system that entity has a lot of freaking strength i mean i i feel like i was when I look back, I'm like, well, how many of the people that you grew up in the church just stay there and do that for 40 years? You know, I feel like I was kind of, then you are, you know, an anomaly as far as like asking, like, isn't there something a little bit more? Like, I don't know what the percentage is, but, and, but that just speaks to like how strong that collective entity structure is. I mean, it's pretty strong. Like, so how do you, then what's your take on how anyone would begin to notice that as it is for what it is? Yeah, that's fun because you can see it real clearly in like uh, scary movies. Like the first one that came to mind when you said that was Paranormal Activity. And that's like the first one that they filmed like a ghost house, like in the form, like the same way they did Blair Witch Project and the whole time it's like a step-by-step process where it's one more layer of validation of the entity like they get the validation and it's not enough like they validate it again and then they validate it again and they validate it again and next thing you know it's like the entity is so much stronger than them I mean it's just taken over but that's exactly what you're talking about when like a collective system like that what you're doing when you're entering a system like that, you're bringing the entity. Like if you don't know what the entity is, it's you. And you're, you're entering the system as the entity, except you're, you're not even aware of it. And then that entity is getting the validation from the system. And now that specific system you, you almost like it's almost like hunger, like you go back to that system for validation of that specific entity. But you can notice if you pay attention when you go home or when you're not in that system, you'll be a different person. You'll be a completely different person. 
And then next time you go back and you get valid, you'll let that, that system entity out again. And it's fun because you can see it in like scary movies and stuff. I mean, it, there's examples of it everywhere. And, but what we don't realize is um, we're always looking outside for the entity. We're always looking um, as if it's somewhere else, but we're we're not aware that it's actually talking right now. Like this is my podcast entity. There's nothing I can do about it. Like this is it. This is my podcast entity. It's here talking to you now. But the only thing I can do is be aware of it. That's it. And the only thing you can do is be aware of it and be aware of it with me. And you you don't want to validate like any like specific thing. You you want to in the end validate your own silence, your own quietness, your own pullback. We know where that where to ground ourselves back in the mechanical spirituality but as soon as you're engaging with a system and especially like a collective system like the church and if you're wondering where the entity is it's in you you're bringing it to you every time you go yeah that that's an interesting contrast because i remember you feel you feel a certain way inside a building and you go home and you feel different and not necessarily good or bad, but you, it's like, it's like a huge contrast. It's weird. Like you get a, you get a good feeling when you like praise objects with 200 people in a room, <laughs> you get like this good, like yeah. everybody gets a, like you're getting a good feeling from the collective good feeling of doing that act. Like you're, yeah. And oh, I feel why do i feel good right (laughs) and it's not limited to there like if another if you pay attention it's not limited to there because you can go to a led zeppelin concert and have the same exact experience right like you're you're part of a collective um it is you're part of a collective praise you're all recognizing this music at the same time and it's the exact same feeling I remember just feeling that um, I actually saw a page and plant um, in cashmere with like a full orchestra. And I mean, it was overwhelming. The feeling was overwhelming, but it was familiar. I knew that feeling because I'd had that feeling from praise sessions from uh, early childhood church stuff. Same exact feeling. So you said something interesting. I want to push back on it. That your this is your entity for the podcast. Can you explain that? <laughs> I, I'm just. I think one of my, um, I'm constantly in the state of waking up. It's not a bad thing. It's not a but. I it's it I've told like a few stories and I I can I can tell you like examples of what it's what is happening but it's like at this point it's just nonstop so I can't really do too much in terms of stopping myself from the development of some sort of identity but I can 
constantly be aware of it. So when I say I'm constantly waking up, sometimes it's like three times in an hour. Sometimes it's like 10 times in an hour, but it, it feels pretty constant at this point. And so I know when I sit down and especially like if you're rushing and like you're trying to, you know, make a certain time, you're going to sit down for a podcast. Like there's, there's back and forth and there's flow and there's intuition that can happen. But my identity structure and the rate and pace that it develops is pretty damn fast. It's pretty quick. And it's, if, if I'm not, if I'm not very specifically like on my own, just in my own flow, like as soon as I have to go back and forth a little bit, like I can't, like there, there will be some identity that's built up that's um, already thinking about stuff. But I, I just think that's um, part of the machinery that's me, that's... Um, I, I and I don't necessarily think it would be a bad thing in terms of like a spiritual um as a spiritual tool because I do think it allows me to like engage people on like an ego level um in conversation to like a pretty intense degree. And there's not really a consequence because it like literally I feel like there's almost like a sensation. Like if I'm going like specifically in this monologue right now, it's about every third sentence. And I'm like, there's like a reawakening. It's, it's constant. It's all the time. Some of them like blow me away. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. I think you see it more, maybe even more clearly than I do, but, um, you know, when you're speaking and it's coming from the moment, I'm curious as far as what, because I, as far as what to say next, I get flashes in the mind's eye and it kind of points me in the right direction, points me in the right direction. And it just, you know, if I'm at a loss for words, then something pops in my mind's eye. I don't consider it thinking. I just considering it, okay, what's the right track here to get on? And I've listened to the previous podcast and I know you speak like from presence and it's like pretty, pretty intense. So I'm just wondering what you like when we're talking right now, like do you you're going off in thought, like in thought, present, like your mind is turning, like turning, 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 turning. You're like, oh, I'm not awake. And then you start. You It wants to. It wants to. You it feel wants a pool. Yes, and it like if and if I lose focus, <clears throat> it will have big conversational structures built very very quickly. Mm. So it's it's a constant battle, yeah. and it's worse when I'm running my own mouth. <laughs> It's it's actually easier listening to you, but when I start talking, then it really, like the structure really starts. Yeah, but to how do you know build. that structure is not flow? How do you know, like because when I I, 
for example, the last podcast, I've got something saved on 45 minutes and I want to post that snippet because for like a minute and 20, you hit this flow and I was like, God dang, I got to post that snippet. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, there's, there's definitely, um, like in terms of like hearing the truth come out of your own mouth. I mean, there's definitely that sensation. You hear that when you listen but, to the podcast back? Um, a little bit. Oh, yeah. If I listen back, yeah. When you hear yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's just in the moment. Like, there's, I have no trust in my own words. And it's not... It's not... It's not as bad as that sounds. It's just, I know very, very clearly how hollow the words are that I speak, just in terms of, um, you know, saying a word, you know, pick a word like love. And I know I say that word and... I mean something by that word, but when I hear the word, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't have the weight or the gravity. It's like something on the surface and there's just this ocean underneath the word, but I'm always in that state where I'm, I don't think I'll ever trust my words, like in contrast, like the way you do like that grounding the way you do, like there's something a lot different going on. It's just, I'm just stuck with the fact of like how blinded and how asleep I was. And it was, it's just so total that there's, there's always that sneaking suspicion wherever I'm, like trying to convey a point and I know I have to engage my mind to do so. Uh, so that's interesting. So that's like, like the entities like, like banging on the wall questioning truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like as soon as you open your mouth and as soon as you, engage in conversation like you're giving in to one of them like just because this is the form like not anything nefarious or malicious or anything like that like i know that the structures that i built post awakening in terms of like my own identity and like the stuff that i'm going to need in order to achieve my responsibilities of form i know those identities are better than my previous identities, which is fine, but I still know those are identities. And it's, it's just a matter of, it cannot be any other way because it's just, it's the form making noise with its mouth. Like that's the giveaway. That's the, so, I mean, the only pure state where like, I know that I'm in like my absolute, I'm, 
alignment with the universe, I, I, my mouth cannot be with me there. It has to be quiet. That is so intriguing though. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, I feel like I'm learning more depths of, of what's going on. Um, yeah. So like, as far as what I sent you, like me writing, you know, I know you're doing a lot of drawing. You don't ever see yourself or like, I guess in the beginning with me, I didn't necessarily have an outlet. So the outlet for me was writing. So you don't ever see like, even take away this podcast, like you just awaken. Could you sit down and just sit at a computer and just try to get something out on paper that you thought was truth and it would, it would flow or that's just something that doesn't interest. Cause I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at is like, obviously we know that we're not going to have exact same gifts or roles as far as what this podcast is meant to be. So discovering what Kane is and what Luke is, is, is pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely don't see myself um, sitting down and like trying to write the way that you did. I just, um, yeah, the drawing is very, very interesting because that is quiet. And so I sit down and, and, you know, I'm not like a skilled drawer or anything, but it's, it's just, it's that conscious state that it puts you in. And so it's like this, this other level of meditative state where it's more engaging. Like the form is actually going through motion, but it's a very quiet. I'm, I'm not thinking I'm it's, it's, uh, it's very, very Zen to just sit down and draw like some sacred geometry and shade it. Or, I mean, even if you're going to do like a coloring book or something, um, it's, it's just so quiet and so peaceful. And it's, it's just another, state of consciousness that when I'm in it, I just have lots of respect for it because it's quiet. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not like it's giving me a bunch of like, um, verbalized truth or anything like that. It's just peace. It's just quiet and peace. Which I think, I, you know, I don't know if anybody really realizes, like, to the degree that I tortured myself in terms of just talking to myself for as long as I did. I mean, it was, I, I think, like, that's the reason why I ended up drinking at night, I mean, that's the reason why you come home and you have a couple of drinks is because you're just exhausted from talking to yourself. And so. To have that awakening the way that I did where. I mean, it's it's still interesting for me because I, I can still understand it is like I did lose my entire ego. <clears throat> Um, verse, you know, the one versus the many. 
but that's that sensation of the entire ego was gone is just like there's there's just no trust or authority with any language thought in my being at all anymore and so that does feel like at times like that had to have been the whole ego but that's why it wasn't until i started you know listening to some other people and obviously like some other people that i know are really speaking some serious truth Soleil is a good example of that <clears throat> and you know they're kind of adamant and gene hart's another one where they're kind of adamant with the many egos and then the dream work ends up being very interesting because you you think that you've moved past <clears throat> some superficial fear or <clears throat> anger the way that you used to know it but it's in your dreams still so it's in the subconscious still The subconscious is is interesting to me, and I've I've I feel like I could be onto something. Where I'm, I don't know if you've ever had this sensation before, but I keep having this sensation that I'm present, and then I try to remember back a couple seconds, and and there was a consciousness that a memory of of me being somewhere totally different. And it's really bizarre and it probably isn't coming across the best way, but it's, um, it's something that I'm, I'm seeing of late and I don't know if it's just cause I'm really conscious, but it's something I'm trying to delve into further because I'm on, on that subconscious level. I don't even know if I'm seeing like what's going on there like very faintly the and then I plug in I'm like did I really just see you know what I mean it's it's weird it's kind of like I'm there but I'm not there and then I remember like where where what was that that's the key of soul you that's a that's a mechanical process that's working for you already the key of soul it's a gnostic principle within your consciousness in your waking hours and hopefully in your dreaming hours you want to always be soul stands for subject object and then location so you always want to understand yourself as the subject like what am i feeling right now the object like what is that that i'm looking at without the label like just understanding this thing that you were that the subject and the object, but what you're talking about is location. That's the last one. So why am I here? How did I get here? That should, you want that to be like in your operating system of your consciousness as much as possible. And it sounds like the location one is hitting you automatically in that subconscious state, which is beautiful. That's exactly what you'd want it to be. You want to be always assessing your location instead of taking it for granted. Like one thing they talk about is every time you enter a door, 
take the moment to like stop and ask yourself, how did I get here? So figure out those triggers throughout your daily life. I mean, whatever they are. I mean, people use doorways as an example of that, but you want to be asking yourself that question, but you seem to have it be already popping up. So you're kind of already there. People are trying to achieve that state of consciousness. Another thing as well that happened, I believe it was last night. I've talked to you about the cards where you flip the cards in your mind's eye. And when I'm conscious or meditating, there's no way I can have this kind of crystal clear picture of these cards or whatever flashing. Um, If you were to take a deck of cards and do it really fast and see those images, but it happened again and I was able to slow it down, but I wasn't awake. And I remember doing it, but it was so clear. Didn't recognize anyone in the pictures. And and I remember saying that to myself when I was watching it. Um, I don't recognize this, but I was able to slow it down a bit. But wherever I was, the mind's eye was able to be like crystal clear. You know, we've talked about meditation. It's It's not something you can just... You know, it's more of like training, you know, for where we're at in form and strength and, you know, the thing, the pools of, of, of this place. But wherever I was at, it was very, very vivid and very strong, but it wasn't like a dream somewhere else. This was me like laying in bed, probably halfway asleep, but not like anywhere else. We've talked about it, uh, I, uh, about what it was, but I have no idea how to make heads or tails of it. And even if you say, okay, this is my ancestor or whatever, it doesn't matter because I don't even know who these people are. Like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't name or recognize anyone. So I, I don't see like the benefit of it right now. Yeah. I mean, it's recurring enough for you and I don't see the benefit of it right now either, but I think when something's recurring and something's recurring in that subconscious realm, if you're achieving some kind of lucidity in the dream, I think you can ask, I think you can ask for help. I think you could, you know, say, you know, show me this sequence and show me like what this means. I think that you're achieving enough lucidity in the dream state where you might be able to apply at least some of your subconscious awareness onto um, one of those things that has to have some kind of significance, even if you don't understand it, just in terms of it recurring as often as it does for as long as it has. Sequence is a big word too, because I, I I would have to think that the sequence of whatever's going on has to be of some kind of importance, but I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't tell you what it was, but those are, they're almost like spectacles when they happen, because I can't believe that I'm seeing like these vivid images flash by one after the other, just like a deck of cards. It's just really a sight to see because in 
you know, the conscious mind, when you're trying to do something in your mind's eye like that, you can't explore in that fashion. It's just not, it's not really possible to hold the mind's eye that strongly to where you can do that. But wherever, you know, you say subconscious, there's, there's something there to be discovered. So, I mean, that's something I'll, I'll work on for sure. Yeah. I think that that's just part of the mechanics of it. Like you can't really have something like that and then ignore it just because it's part of the mechanic. Like I'll give you a good example. This is the one I've been thinking about. If you're thinking about somebody, does that mean they're thinking about you? I would say no. You would say no? I mean, I mean, you could be thinking about, I mean, I could be thinking about the president. He doesn't even know me. Yeah. <clears throat> it depends on your relationship with the person. I mean, your wife. Yeah, I can see that. Your, I mean, your daughter or. I could see that. Yeah, there just seems to be like uh, weird mechanical rules that are like just under the surface that we're not even necessarily like clearly aware of. But I know like what you're talking about with that deck of cards that it's it's just it seems it seems too recurring to me and it seems like um it's got to be there for a reason certainly just got to figure out what it is yeah I was listening. I, I'm kind of wondering if there's just like a plethora of people that you could be possibly thinking about. And it's starting to like, creep in that like, my thinking about somebody might not be like, this is what, what we were talking about. Like there's no trust and there's no with my thought process or whatever is being constructed in language. Like everything is suspect. And one of my new ones is like, if I end up thinking about somebody, am I just like responding to somebody thinking about me on the other end. So yeah, it could be like wife or daughter or son, but then there's others as well. Or even maybe like on a negative level, like real quick, like you have like a negative vibe with somebody that's not even there. And it's like, wait, am I picking up on some other negative vibe coming in? Like, is it my responsibility to stop that? Obviously it's my responsibility to stop that there. But 
it makes me wonder like what's going on with like the randomness of like the amount of people you could be thinking about. And is there more of like a connection going on than we realize? Uh, definitely could be, I guess you could prove yourself right and call the people up and say, Hey, I've been thinking about you. Are you, are you right. thinking about me? I was, how did you know? Doesn't it seem like when you call somebody up, that's as a lot of times how the conversation starts. Yeah. It's been happening all the time. I call like, um, especially people I've been working with a lot, like new restaurants that are open. So I've really been putting a lot of time with them. I'll call them. They'll pick up the phone and say, Luke, what is going on? I just picked up the phone to call you. What is what's up yeah. with you? How do you know that every single time when I'm calling? Like, dang, I was just, I had the phone up dialing your name. That happens a ton with me. There is something going on there. That's, yeah, I, I definitely think uh, there's, there's something going on. Uh, on a level there that we, we can't explain because it happens to me in my profession all the time. I mean, and you should see how many contacts are in my phone. I mean, I'm constantly, I mean, I talk on the phone all the freaking time. So the synchronicities of what may be going on in my phone and the relationships I have with all the people I do business with. I mean, it's, it's vast, very vast and stuff like that happens all the time. I don't know what you call it or what, but uh, so yeah, this, this is popping in now. When we did that podcast on synchronicities, I was it the, it was the next morning I opened up our Twitter page and just like every morning, I just kind of scroll and take in like three or four, you know, posts of, of people and you know anything profound sometimes i retweet it or whatever but just kind of cool to start the day with like-minded people of all the people that either follow us or or we follow as pretty much on the same journey and i couldn't believe my eyes first of all i couldn't believe once we i stated to you i texted you i was like synchronicity that was on wednesday so we had like six days to ponder on it and this week compared to last week, like that was a crazy week when I just said synchronicity, like I sent it, I projected out, like we're doing synchronicity. And then it was like, just, okay, we're just going to synchronize for six days and just go off. And, but I put that out there. And then after we did the podcast and I pulled up my phone, we hadn't gone live with the podcast. So it hasn't been posted or anything. I think, so it's not like they heard the podcast. No one knew we did a podcast. No one knows until we post them, even this one. So I open it up, and all the like the people that we follow and the ones that we really like, they're all giving their definition of synchronicity. And I haven't seen that word since I've been on Twitter. So the connection that's going on there, like some kind of vibrational, like, I see clearly that people on the same path and universal truth, like they're on the same vibrational frequency. Like that's how 
someone can be listening to this show that wants to feel what spirituality is. That's why it resonates so hard and goes into their heart so hard because they discover that they're a part of that. They're a part of that. Like we're just speaking what we're a part of, what many people are a part of. So the next morning when I go and I see that, like they're getting the same signals that we are almost. And I, I, I was dumbfounded when I texted you. I literally was dumbfounded because I couldn't believe like everyone was like giving their rendition on what they thought synchronicity meant. And they're all along the lines of the same answer because it's all along the lines of the same universal truth. And every single one I read was resonating just as though the podcast was. It was all synchronized. But it's exactly what you were just talking about. Like, not necessarily thinking, but we're all on the same journey if you're in that flow. We're all connected. It's the same way when I told you I told uh, turn on dualistic unity. And I feel like it's intertwined a bit. Like I, I listened to it, I'm like, what is going on? I, I can't believe it. Either I, I did the similarities. Yes, those are there. But the topics are almost aligning with what we talk about. The, the, the vibrational frequency is almost the same. It's astounding to me. Just turn it on and listen to 15, 20 minutes. You'll be like, they're talking about some of the same things we are. Um, but we're not that big. So I don't think they're listening to our shows, studying what we're talking about and then going on. They, they have the same kind of show that we do. They just kind of talk in the moment and they don't plan, but it's all in that same verse and people are attracted to that or they're not attracted to that. Like it's either like a magnet or it's like, okay, I, I don't want to hear that right now. Maybe in 10 years I will, but not now, not today, Satan, not today. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I definitely feel like you're connected. Like some of the things that Soleil was posting directly after two, those were hitting hard because we, we were, I mean, we're all, we're all connected in, in the same way. Once you decide that you're a part of oneness, you're a part of one, like nothing is something, but that something is all the same thing. Everybody just has their own interpretations of it. Some people put it in the words people better. Some people don't. Some people just feel it better. And, and, and they're good with that. You know, some, you, it, it seems like you, you're, Gifts are going to lie, like you, you were talking about chanting, are going to lie in that realm of, of feeling things come in instead of like, you know, putting me into the words. Like it's going to be like a mechanical feeling and sensation, how, how you um, feel things in and feel things out. You know, it's going to be more along the lines of that than it is of, of anything else. But it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter if it's words or if it's silence. It's all like the same vibrational frequency. You just have 10 people that put it in the words well, 30 people experience it well, 40 people do it this way, but it's all the same verse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cause there, there is, there is like a practice of like quiet and then there's like a pullback and then there's like quick construction of something. Like I'll give you an example. Like I fell asleep super hard. I th- I think it was um, late last week, but like driving to work. And I, I mean, it was one of those like real bad ones where it's like, holy crap. Cause I always got that key of soul, like in my head, you know, how did I get here? And I realized like you, you moved way too far in this world, like completely unconsciously. But what I did is my daughter was gonna, she had a volleyball game and I started to just remember that she had a volleyball game. I was thinking about her, but then when I thought about her turned real quickly into as if we're having a conversation and I'm giving her like encouragement and we're having a conversation where it's, where I'm being encouraging. And then that turns into like, I'm actually watching the game and she's doing well. And that feels good because I feel like I'm manifesting her success before it happens. But there's this like huge construct that happens and I get like five miles down the road and I'm like, Oh, like that just took me like to la la land. Like I was, I totally bought into it and it's beautiful. Like I don't, you don't even necessarily see that. And I mean, I don't have any ill will or, um, I don't have anything bad to say to myself in terms of that daydream. And I'm, I'm in some ways I'm very, very proud of that daydream, but it is a daydream. It is unconsciousness. I'm not there. I'm, I was barely aware that I was driving into work. And, but I wake up to it. So it's this constant like, oh, I'm constantly back waking up to these processes. And even that one that's so beautiful and I don't have any will in, in terms of like wanting to like decouple myself from like those nuclear family attachments like i'm not buddha like i'm not walking away from my attachments but i can still recognize that that's it's unconsciousness and not consciousness but then like the question is like what am i manifesting if i in when i fall like completely into that dream state so that must be mind's eye I mean, I had vivid, like as if the, the game is happening in front of me, that must be positive manifestations that are happening. And is that hitting her in some way? I mean, because she could be at school, like worrying about her volleyball game. And that could have been what triggered the original construct to begin with. And then like, so what's my responsibility in terms of like that was it's 
it's a pure positive construct that's going on and whatever is manifesting if 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 it was like a story or if it was sent out and it hits her it's obviously a positive manifestation but the whole process f- for me is like an a, like another small awakening that happens there because it my consciousness goes into that project And it goes so wholeheartedly that it, and it's not even that, even that part's not a bad thing. I mean, cause it gives you this sensation again, like, whoa, like waking up almost obviously not on the level you did the first time, but you get a little piece of that. Like, oh my gosh, I was, I was in that one. I was in that one deep. Yeah, I'm not sure how how she received it. I mean, it definitely it, what you're talking about is very common. Mm-hmm. Especially people, you know, the back and forth nature of yeah, after that first couple of weeks of awakening, there's a lot of um there is a lot of that back and forth. I mean, it's super common. Uh, the, the the difference the difference is they don't last forever. So, so if that lasted five minutes or per se, or whatever it was, I mean, you have the ability to snap out of it and, and then see it and then kind of see what was going on. So, you know, you're not, you're not blind. If if that makes sense, how, how she received it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how the mechanics work of the manifestation of, of, of what that was, but, um, I do know that, I mean, that's super common. I mean, I, it's, I can, I can, I have a lot of drive time too. And I catch myself all the time, especially if you're going to, um, you know, see a customer and you have a certain plan. So natural thing to do is start, you know, what am I going to say? What am I going to, you know, in, in, in business or, you know, sales world, it almost demands that you plan. So like this podcast isn't really built on planning, but in my world, like it almost demands that you have that plan. So, but I'm, I'm able to apply a lot of spontaneous stuff. You know, I kind of plan in the, in the moment and then, you know, the words that come out just, come out as far as when I'm in front of someone. So I'm, I'm constantly fighting that battle as well. Um, and, but a lot of the techniques after the second time, I mean, the, the word respect for consciousness. I mean, I'm constantly remaining, um, trying to remain to where I don't slip in and, and that, you know, the grounding nature of my hand, obviously there's small tricks that you can do, but, um, it's it's a situation like that. If you look at it with your daughter and there was no harm, no foul. I, I mean, I don't know. It's up for you to discern whether or not that unconscious moment was healthy or not healthy. Cause I mean, you can't really, Nobody can really yeah, but you really. That's the first thing I noticed because I actually I 
it's the, the other thing it creates like a cascade of thought in terms of like just the analyzation of it afterwards because it ends up like creating such a moment of reawakening and then the first thought is was exactly what you just said like well that's up to you if if this is okay or not and the the first pro like i have no will at all to like give up that identity of form it's just so beautiful like i have no will to like call Kali Ma to like take that ego out and wear it around her neck. Like there's no will for that. And so, I mean, that's like your first clue, but then it, it, it makes me wonder like on the, on like the other side where it's like, if that was like a construct that I fell into, like, in response to something that was happening on her side. And the only reason that that question ends up being as important as it is, is just like what you were saying before, because that's going to help me understand like what's going on because I am. And it is less than five minutes. So it can't, it can't take me over and, um, like you say, it's not a permanent state. It's all, this is very quick. It's very subtle. It's not, but my point is, is like, oh, if I'm becoming aware of like somebody like pulling me into their construct from the other side, like I would just, I would like to be aware of that, but I don't know necessarily how to like start testing that or. Um, put that into practice. I mean, I have a couple of other examples where I, I feel like that might be in, in some degree what's happening. So, so you think it could have been spawned by your daughter? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. <clears throat> yes. And it's with her, it's so strong that that there's that extra sensation of unconsciousness but that that is the like so you're driving down the road you're doing good you're maintaining your presence and then there's like a pull and that's what i'm trying to like the speed in which the construct elaborates on itself is unbelievable and that one in particular because it has such strong positive reinforcement like on a small scale for it to build up on real quick like so that's like the ultimate example of it but there's smaller versions of that happening throughout the day where it might not even be five minutes maybe it's like 15 seconds and you can feel it like want to go like maybe in a negative direction or maybe in like a judgmental direction or maybe in like a direction that's not so like with your daughter. It's obviously like in this wonderful loving direction. I'm just saying there's other versions of it. And they're much faster. And 
it's I'm it's just trying to figure out like what's going on because <clears throat> it does seem like I don't know how else to say it, but it seems like like when you, when you're thinking about somebody, like they might be thinking about you. That's just the most clear cut way I can say it. And there seems to be like some kind of, there seems to be some kind of like extra component there that's, and it's on a subtle level, but some kind of extra component there that's pulling me more so into, into thought than what I would normally be doing on my own. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure how to know that you would know for sure that that would could be, you know, a, some of her structure that was trying to grab your attention. But I mean, I can totally see that happening. The pool in general, though, when you when you feel the pool during the day and you feel like. I mean, every, everyone, I, I think, feels the pull because things want your attention. That's, that's, I guess, you know, unconscious where the feeding frenzy is. So it's, and I've always wondered too, I mean, is it in another realm that these energies are behind? Because there's a source for the pull. Something doesn't want you to remain conscious. Yeah. And most of them, like there's more than one, there's several things that cross your mind that try to grab your attention. And it's very noticeable when you meditate because then, I I mean, objectively, I can start to see the black clouds go by the screen of my mind. And then if I jump in one and I realize, oh, that's what that dark cloud was. It was something trying to, and then it had a face when I jump into it. So it's some type of dark energy that comes across this the screen of your mind that you jump into. Um, I was curious on what, I mean, I always thought like on some other realm, like something, something constantly wants. And is this pretty much the answer to the question is that we've created all, all these ourselves in this particular place. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Cause that, yeah, because I think that's what I mean. Like, because I, I can watch and I can sense that kind of like half of like the interaction is created by me. Like I give you not, so I meet up with a customer today <clears throat> who answers the door in his PJs, right? And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Immediately, I'm like, I say to myself, like, okay, it's going to be hard not to get judgmental. And then my brain will go, actually, no, you were judgmental to me. And then, no, you were judgmental. No, you were judgmental. No, and there's like this echo where it goes back and forth and I get confused. Like, I don't know if you were judgmental or I was judgmental, but somebody was just judgmental. Probably was me. Oh, but, wow. 
you you create there's like an echo that happens it like goes back and forth but i just end up laughing at it because i just can't believe it's all happening in front of me and i'm like aware of it all so i'm just kind of like in the background like chuckling because it it's i don't know how to explain it but there's so it's a real quick engagement i mean it doesn't even last for five seconds it's like high bye and there's like this echo of judgmental like behind us but i know my initial thought was this this dude just answered the door in his pjs so i know remember we were talking like those quick real first judgmental like you can't tell the yeah. weeds from like the that real quick, that one that's like split second where you can't stop it because he's the dude that just answered the door in the PJs. And, but it's like, damn, if you're not like millisecond, microsecond on top of it, you can feel it reverberate. It's, um, and I know that it's all constructed by me or at least half constructed by me i'm frozen you are but i can still hear you yeah me too we're good it's all good won't won't be a good youtube video with your hand just up there hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) the lord is that's my 10 finger demon hand (laughs) oh they got to you man they're in the computer. That's a glitch in the system. Black cat just walked by. But I mean, I know that I'm creating a lot of that. But it it's like the awareness of the creation, like as it's being created. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. I mean, the awareness of it while I mean, that's. As long as you have the awareness, you're good. Before not being aware, I would love to have been in your head for a day. The way you described it was pretty phenomenal. You were talking to yourself so much and so intensely that you just had to have a drink. Yeah, and I mean, that drink was crucial because it, um... it... It drummed down that talking yeah yeah it was like uh so i don't have to talk to myself no more yes exactly but that creates a pretty uh negative pattern <laughs> oh yeah i mean it's the same it's the same thing for i mean you're you're just people take a pill for that too yeah i mean you drum down you can drum down anything if you want, it's just, how do you want to do it? I think that's the interesting thing about drugs is that some drugs, um, seem to stop thoughts like an awakening. And I know the first two weeks it was like you were, um, you you were on drugs basically i mean there's there's nothing else other, like that's what people on drugs are trying to attain is what you attained that awakening because when you're on drugs like it almost eliminates the thought and uh 
it's interesting to some drugs. Yeah, you can't you can't take certain drugs because they're bad for your body. For or you have a job, you know, you're you're drug tested or or whatnot. So you can't do them all the time because they really are harmful. But in you know psychedelics, that's where it raised uh, some interesting things when I watched that documentary that guy man it was so powerful he had like extreme ocd and he he did one of those monitored psychedelic experiences and he just he had an awakening like you did it was beautiful like it was unbelievable and he was so emotional and you could tell it was so authentic um but you remember back then like there you've experienced that state kinda right like no thought that was that's that's the whole blissfulness of it was there was no intrusions like it was like it was yeah. like presence yeah that real that is the like biggest descripting thing you can say is just no thought i mean because i mean you're you have the, like the experience of like trying to meditate and stuff like, you know how difficult that is to do, but then to like, just, you know, with the snap of your finger, be at a point with no thought and not to be able to even like understand how or why it. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the big spiritual mechanical deal. I mean, it's not something more complicated than that. I mean, it gets more complicated than that because that state of no thought opens you up to stuff from the universe that, um, you know, ends up being too big to put into words or talk about. But I mean, it, it, everything is coming from that position of no thought. That's it. Yeah, and people that are coming off of drugs too, like that thoughts just boom. They like they. It's almost like a false awakening. Like imagine, like you had that awakening, and then on oh, the next morning, bam, it's, everything comes back, and you're like, oh, how yeah. do I, how do I get that that high again? And that becomes like the addictive nature of it is, um, yeah, I want to experience no thought, it's just. It's just odd to me that it's so mysterious and so hard to find because someone that's doing drugs, uh, obviously like self-medicating, they, they are well-intended too. Like they're not bad people. They just want to experience what awakening feels like. And, and how is it that we're in a place where it's almost so hard to find, like, like so hard to find like someone who's taking drugs to awaken. They don't, they want to experience bliss. That's what it is. We know that's what it is because when they come off of drugs, it's, it's the whole, the whole thing again. How does that well intention not produce some kind of natural awakening? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how is it so picky? I guess is a right word for lack of a better word. I'd... I think they, you have examples where like Joe Rogan's a great example. Like, so you have like the, the big DMT trips 
and it seems like he was shown enough of the mystery and the oneness and the ego and then he comes back and he's able to apply like a lot of those concepts to his everyday life so i think there's there's examples of it um working out better than others but it's funny because i don't really have as much of a positive outlook on um psychedelics as i used to like i used to think like oh it must be psychedelics that's going to like awaken the population it must be psychedelics that is going to like be that catalyst for like a movement of awakening but i think like joe rogan's kind of like somebody that's pretty rare still and i don't necessarily think that um people achieving altered states of consciousness or expanded consciousness through psychedelics i don't think that that is necessarily as positive of a thing as i did before i think you're you're just kind of blasting yourself into this um, state of conscious expansion. But I don't think you have like any reference points to like even understand. I don't think you have any reference points. Even when you, when you listen to Rogan and he's talking about like him going into his DMT experience, he talks about it and he says, you know, he, and this is what everybody says where, where it's like the obliteration of the ego. And then he goes, but as he talks about it, he's talking about it from the, from like the position of the ego. And that's what, like, I don't, and I think, like, that's kind of why, like, if you've listened to, like, his DMT experiences and the the way they went the way they did, like, his were fairly confrontational, basically, like, a bunch of little elves flicking him off and saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So, I mean, his experience in that realm was, like, really confrontational, but I think they're responding that way because he's coming in with the ego. They don't want the ego there. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people do with the psychedelics. Like they think because they've obliterated themselves from the body and they don't have that same connection, like the, the presence in the body. So it's blasted out. They're not connected to the body or they don't think they are, but the ego is going with them. The ego's still on point. And I, I know that you can tell that even from like people getting knocked out and I mean, where they're coming back online and they're very, very confused. Who am I? How am I here? What just happened? I mean, that's the ego on back online before they even realize what happened. The ego's back online. And I think that's kind of like one of the things that 
with the promise of psychedelics and what it's available, what it's, what it's going to be capable of, um, you know, moving the population into the state of awakeness. Like Terrence McKenna is a great example. He did all those mushroom trips. Um, he, um, he gave like so many long, beautiful lectures about what it means to be on mushrooms. But man, a lot of it is him talking about himself in the ego and how it was driving him crazy. He has tons of stories like that. Clearly stuck in the ego and trying to push that ego into like a bigger <clears throat> expansion of consciousness, which it looks like you can do. But you're just expanding the ego consciousness. Versus if you talk about like what, for lack of a better word, the more pure way where you are attacking it from like the from from the point of view of spiritual um, mechanism where the first thing you do, job number one is drop the ego. That's like the, the, and that's where, that's the whole foundation for the rest of your process. And even if, if you're like me and you're, it's a constant fight with the ego or you, or, you know, you're having the ego on point conversationally or whatever, you still are aware of the fact that there's ego. But I think a lot of them with the psychedelics, like they're not, they, they're not even aware of the ego. But that's just thinking it out loud. I don't know too much. I mean, you're. That's a pretty hard thing to do is try to like judge what's happening to like uh, people in states of psychedelic altered consciousnesses. That's for sure. I mean, I would think you're. I mean, I think my awakening had a lot to do with sincerity. I. I was very sincere when I when I went to meditate, I, I was very sincere and like what I was projecting out, what I was hearing, what I wanted that I can't see like people of his stature being like really sincere. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like if I, and then, and that comes down to being that comfortable in life. I mean, if you have that much money, your sincerity level is probably really low because there's nothing really disrupting that ego. I mean, that is right. like on comfort, comfort lane. So, um, very few people, I actually heard Aaron Rodgers though. And he, he seems to be on, uh, an anomaly as far as that goes, because he seems to be pretty, pretty sincere. Um, and he even sounds different now. Uh, doesn't sound like the same person. But yeah. What about a heroin addict though? I mean, heroin addict is pretty sincere on like pretty much giving up on form and they just want to experience no pain. Like they haven't done the inner work and, and they, they obviously have pain and the thoughts and everything. And they do that for the relief and just the blissness of it seems like that would force some kind of an awakening with someone, you know, that probably is, is pretty sincere. 
Yeah, I would imagine it creates like a level of contrast that's just like unworkable. And that that seems like it's the worst version of like drug abuse when you get to that heroin level, but and it seems like the bliss is like literally like an unconscious bliss, <clears throat> meaning like passed out bliss. And then that gets <clears throat> in contrast with like an actual sickness when you're not in bliss. So I think it just, it creates such a contrast that, um, And I mean, they probably are, I mean, somewhat awakened in that blissful state, but they've just, they're on a rubber band. They're tied to the contrast of the other state and it just creates a lot of turmoil and and they're in no position once they're in that place to make any real spiritual progress. Again, I think Eckhart Tolle, I guess, is one of the, examples of someone doing it by themselves in the, in the midst of a ton of suffering. But I was just curious, like it does, is it always take another person with someone? Um, you know, is that, is that kind of how it all works? But Eckhart totally kind of proved that wrong. Cause he had his all, all by himself. I mean, I guess I, I did with me as well. <laughs> But I, by myself, but I was completely guided by someone who I trusted. So that that was, it was by myself, but it wasn't by myself. I mean, I had, I, I, I got the instruction manual from somebody, um, you know, where the door was and that's how I accomplished it. But Eckhart Tolle is, seems to be like a super anomaly because I've never heard of any person by themselves just in immense suffering and then all the deck of cards come falling down right there just at the snap of a fingers and you're who he is today. I've never heard that story before as far as so the closest one to you that I know to me is, is, is you. Um, but your level of suffering I don't even think was what you would say is extreme. Yeah. You said sincerity and it. And when you apply that to Eckhart Tolle, it looks like he was very, very sincere in his suicidal thought. <clears throat> but that's what I'm saying. A million people have committed suicide. Why Eckhart Tolle? Why did he get the snap of the fingers awakening? There's a ton of people that have been sincere. There's a ton of people that have been, you know, right there and was sincere about and and they're so sincere they killed themselves why is it so hard to find yeah he did seem to be asking himself some very key questions i mean so you have the sincere suicidal thought but that's not completely isolated from himself asking himself some key questions. So, yeah, it's almost like a part of him knew. 
And that's kind of like the way I feel, like a part of me knew. Like you go back and like it kind of is, it's like a validation of like something deeper that you knew all along. Just like what we were talking originally about culture and religions and stuff. It's like, wait a second, you guys have this whole big story and this whole big, what, what about the guy born on an island that never talks to anybody? Like, has anybody, nobody's like contemplated this question? Like within this culture system, this belief system, I mean, nobody has even thought of that. But the way like you and I thought about it was very, very sincere. So that's like a seed that you plant way back then. Like nobody explained that to me. Nobody explained what happens to the guy born by himself. Nobody explained to me like why the different cultures with their different belief systems are all different and then pitted against each other. Like those are like old, old seeds that you're planting in yourself. And I'm sure... Eckhart Tolle had a lot of those types of seeds where he's definitely sincere about the suicide, but he had planted enough seeds. I mean, if more than likely he planted more seeds than even what we're talking about because he did realize like right at that moment where he says, I can't live with myself. And then he's like, wait, who am I talking to? That's a seed he planted. I can't live with myself. Like that's a revealing question, especially if you've had seeds planted from earlier. <clears throat> so the that's the manifestation. It's sprouting as a awakened idea. Like listen to what you just said. I can't live with myself. Wait, what? I mean, there it is. That That's the whole awakened realization right there in one question that apparently played inside his consciousness like a symphony and just you know woke him up beautifully <clears throat> but i can kind of see them like in my own life where there is a piece of like i was onto this all along there's something deeper that was leading you there all along. And you can't quite like look past your ego and understand. But <clears throat> as long as you keep asking questions, you keep planting seeds. And then that's what creates the cascade of realization when all that stuff comes back to you in the form of questions like, why am I so angry? I mean, to see the question and to ask it with, with, with all sincerity, wait, why I built the character, I built the person, I built the whole structure. I drive this machine better than this. Why am I so angry? Like it shouldn't be that way. I know that on the inside. So how is this happening? Why am I so angry? Like it's a deep, deep question that you're 
you're aware that it requires an answer. <clears throat> so I guess my question is, there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't think I'm special as far as what we can get. Like everybody here can find universal truth. Where I do get hung up is what we just said, like the sincerity levels, like what makes me or you more sincere than other people. And you have to examine like the population. You would have to say at least like half of the pop population, maybe one half of the population is like us who, you know, planting those seeds and ultimately know there's a better path and they're maybe reaching out of the hand subtly, aggressively, whatever it is. But you've got to look at half of the population and say, they don't give a shit about any of this. Does that just mean they're just way more asleep than me and you have ever been? There's half of the population that doesn't even care to even be one iota of sincere. They're just going to live out their life and never question anything. Where, what are those people? You know, I, I, I feel like at least half the population on this globe is like that. Is it just, I mean, it's, or, or we have different levels of entity here. I mean, different levels of being asleep because you say to yourself, like I was freaking asleep, like, but your asleep was more apparent to be not as asleep as like a lot of people don't give two shits about what we're talking about. Yeah. The sincerity is, a, that's a interesting one. <clears throat> I mean, the optimistic side of me says everybody's planting seeds to themselves. It's just they're so caught up in the conditioning that they just listen to that stuff more. It's just like when we talk about like synchronicities, like I think everybody has synchronicities, but some people are just so quick to write them off that it's, I mean, it's not even remotely special for them anymore because they just formed a coincidence construct and they just talk themselves out of any meaning so quickly. <clears throat> but it doesn't mean that they didn't have the synchronistic event. So I think a lot of people are planting the seeds to themselves, but they're just so quick to understand the conditioning of the culture. It's just the speed of which, because the truth and the realization, it's like a slow process. It's like, we're talking about questions we asked ourselves when we were like younger. And then, you know, how often was that happening? I mean, it's very, very slow. Maybe it's, you know, five years before you plant another good seed question. So you, you're not on their trail. You don't, you don't feel them, um, you know, having an impact on you, not the way you feel the culture and the conditioning. <clears throat> the culture and the conditioning is just bombarding you every second of every day. No doubt. So if they don't ever take a breath, they don't ever meditate. They don't ever like even slightly try to be quiet for a minute. Mm -hmm. I think that's what does it. And then, and that's why it looks worse and worse as we move on because 
the culture and the entertainment is getting better and better at like maintaining the attention. So even like in our lifespan, I mean, you would at least used to see people like maybe take more walks and stuff. But now even when people take walks, they still scroll on their phone. <clears throat> There's no quiet time. Right. It's one of the easiest and simplest things to do, but one of the hardest things for people to do as well. It's one of the things where I'm, I'm where I'm at and very content is, is before on my journey, I used to almost like, say to myself like even met oh I, I i don't want to go meditate this is going to require like me um it's going to require like work like i'm gonna have to pull back and and now it's it's totally different i mean it's 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 probably along the lines of a, i have an outlet with this podcast now and have a, a better devotion um but it's completely different than before. I mean, it used to have, um, and I think it's along the lines of how I awakened, awakened. So it was very forceful. So, um, along my journey, I, I always had, it would come up in my head. It was probably stuff that messed with me that was able to get in that, you know, to go do this. And it was almost like that echo voice in my head. I don't want to go do that right now. You know, I want to, I want to sit here right now. I don't want to go, um, do this right now, but it was, I think it is, is attached to the way I awakened the first time as far as how I did it, but now it's completely different. I mean, it's like, it's almost like an, an honor to the consciousness to go sit down now. It's like a, it's like, like you said, a respect, but an honor, it's like, it has, you know, not it, but me, I have the time to go sit down and, and pay respect to being silent for 20 minutes. And it's, it's a lot better than some of the mental things that had crept up in my mind over the years, as far as, cause I mean, things, things definitely will continue to plant seeds seeds of doubt are really 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 a big deal because seeds of doubt do man manifest and um that's one of the one of the things we haven't talked about too much other than you know pride or lust or whatever but uh a doubt seed is is pretty powerful because doubt seeds are they play a crucial role after someone awakenings to try to gain back like that presence and that ego and try to get back in. Um, cause a seed of doubt is like that, you know, as soon as you do that and you, you know, you, it takes any type of ownership in you and it starts to manifest itself. And, um, just one of the things that I don't have, I, it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. Cause it, it, if, if that had manifested anything in me that day you had your awakening, like it was annihilated. 
like you were talking about throwing the anger in your backyard's uh, neighbor's backyard. I mean, doubt yeah. was annihilated in me. And those had always crept in just because of sheer numbers. I mean, I've been one man basically standing, you know, with not too many outlets other than writing. So seeds of doubt would naturally creep in just because of, of being outnumbered by society all the time and not, and, and I always knew that I would probably have a bigger outlet at some point in my life when, you know, you get to a certain point where you can, you know, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do type thing. Cause everybody has to pay bills financially. So you kind of do what you have to until you no longer have to do what you have to. And then you can focus on what you want to. And I always knew my want to, and what it would, it would ultimately come to uh, at what age I had didn't know, but this has shattered any doubt seeds for good. It's just, it's just not there. And even if something does try to create, it's, it's like, it's not, it, it doesn't gain anything. Like stuff will always try to creep in, but I'm saying there is no traction there anymore. Yeah, I don't think I've thought about that too much. The doubt seed—that's actually—that's re- really interesting. I can see it a little bit with like drinking and stuff. Where I, I mean, I was actually reading on a post on Twitter, somebody's being honest and saying that they went back to drinking and were mad at themselves. <clears throat> and I can kind of relate because I mean, I've had the thought. I guess what you're talking about, like the doubt seed, but then there's this other. just understanding and like, I can't stop the presence from coming. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't stop it. And uh, you always say like, it wears you down. And that's just, that's so true. It, so I know like beforehand that, you know, you're going to have two drinks and then you're going to have to like, look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to have to do it like fully present. And then you're going to have these questions like, well, are you more conscious or are you less conscious? Like, you know, the script that's coming. So, yeah, I can I can see the seeds of doubt and that they're. Um, good to be aware of. But. Um, they don't seem to. Um, hold power over like the state of presence or like the anticipation of presence. Cause it just, and that kind of goes to like all the stuff I've been saying, like just talking about the state of like always waking up. Like that is the reality now is the presence is always coming to me. The presence is always like you can get pissed about something from work. You can do whatever. And I don't even mean pissed, like anger, just um, agitation. It's not going to last very long because presence is coming. And then it's just like, oh, well, that was silly to be caught in agitation. So it's, it's that return presence is definitely... um 
And I, I don't know where I would plant like a big seed of doubt at at this point. I don't even know really how that could work. Yeah, over over the years, there's no seed of doubt that could ever like overtake like presence or understanding or wisdom that I had acquired. Um never could be that strong i just noticed like now it's like annihilated like it's like mm-hmm. I, they used to pop in quite frequently like you know this or that they never made sense to a degree maybe i you know bought into one for uh, a few minutes and went down that road of you know, what if this, what if that? I mean, I, I, I could have played that game for a little while, but yeah, presence would always, but now like nothing like that, that has been like annihilation. Like doubt is not, if it even like flashed in front of my screen as some kind of proposal, it would be there for like a split second. It would be gone because I wouldn't even entertain anything about it anymore. It's just lost all of its power. Because I've never, I mean, the testament of seeing what I saw happen to you live, like you can't, after what happened to me and then seeing what happened to you and then even seeing what happened to my family, my my family's different after what happened to you, completely different. So you have multiple things going on there where doubt is annihilated. A lot of things like in, in your wife, you know, seeds of doubt are a little bit more prevalent in that i think part of the reason too is it's been annihilated in my wife and and a lot of the systematic things in my kids they're they're annihilated like it's so apparently obvious now that seeds of doubt in other people is completely annihilated because you can't deny like Cain awakening like you can't deny that you can't deny Kane awakening. We started a podcast a month later and we've done 15 for five months. And this is how far we're in. You can't deny that. Like, it's not just something we come up with on our own accord. You can't deny what's happened to you in the contrast. It's undeniable. It's, <laughs> it's not something that was supposed to happen to Kane in the first place. Yeah. As you were talking, I do. There is like a super ambitious. Like seed of doubt that I think I understand. Like even with like drawing. So you get like a little, you know, a drawing pad and you're you're drawing that way. But then you think like maybe I'll do like my whole mural like downstairs. And I'll like do like a real fine detail and I'll spend, you know, 23 hours on it. And then so you have that like seed of doubt where you're like, oh, I don't really want to spend that much time on a freaking mural downstairs. Like, let's stop thinking that way. So you plant that seed of doubt. But it's it's just going against like super ambition. Like you don't let yourself and a lot of it is specifically because of what you were saying where there's so much responsibility of form. So there's always like this time calculation that comes in 
where it's like, I don't really want to spend the next 23 hours on this mural downstairs. I might not even like it when I'm done. So you've planted the seed of doubt against your like ultimate ambition. I definitely do that quite a bit, but that it really goes to what you were saying. Like you're always trying to balance the two, like the responsibility to form versus like the runaway spiritual ambition that you can feel like building at times. But it does make you wonder like what would happen if like you totally gave into that side and didn't have any other any other responsibilities to think about and you just gave into the like complete spiritual ambition part. It does make you wonder what that is. To a degree, I think that's coming. I mean, I can see that clearly. Obviously, we'll still have responsibilities and form, but in more ways than one, I can I can see the devotion and that level getting stronger and manifesting. I mean, we're doing that. We're pushing, propelling ourselves in that direction, propelling ourselves in that direction. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see it very clearly what's coming um, and not if, but when, when is the trip to Wyoming? That's what I want to know. I just want to lay on the ground and look at the sky. Yeah. See what's going on with the, the yogis over there. Go get some of that energy. Yeah. I'm ready for that. I'm not building an arc though. I'm drawing the line. I'm not going to build an arc. It doesn't, you don't have to do that. That already happened. <laughs> We're already descendants of Noah. <laughs> that's a story to talk about in itself the symbolic nature of what the bible was trying to portray because you know what is the symbolic nature of that story because all the stories like jonah and the whale and they're all they have a symbolism like people that are awake how they tell stories like jesus did it they tell parables and you know, the burning bush and they all have their, but I've never really delved into that one. That'd be interesting. Maybe not tonight, but try to figure out what the meaning or, or whoever was trying to portray something from that story, what they're trying to portray. Because I wasn't flooded literally that would make us all objects of incest. And I can't accept that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't accept that. I think I can wrap it up pretty quick. Uh, Noah was an alien. He built a spaceship and the two by two was uh, DNA of biology, right? Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good, but that, that's when the burning bush and Noah, like things do get a little hairy in the Bible as far as what you can take and um, apply your intuition to. That's one of those stories where it gets a little hairy for me and I can't even, I can't even really see meaning out of it. Like, I don't know what they're trying to 
I don't know what they're trying to portray. Like you can get meaning out of parting the Red Seas, you know, mentally. You can get meaning out of a lot of stuff on what they're trying to portray. But know what in the arc? When I imply like what was trying to be accomplished there, I, I don't even know if it was supposed to be a part of the Bible or not. I, I don't see anything clearly is what I'm trying trying to say. Well, let's do some homework. Sounds good. There's your your homework for next week. You love homework. 